and welcome to the workings of a spiritual mind. You're listening to Holly, the voice and the mind behind the podcast. So today we are looking into a ghost story because ghosts and ghost stories, they fall under that spirituality umbrella. So I figured why not? Who doesn't like a good ghost story? And the reason this came about was I actually had a different idea in mind for today's episode, but I changed it up after finding a very, very old book I'd totally forgotten I had. Do you know when you have like boxes upon boxes of just like stuff that you chuck down in the basement or you have stored under your bed or it's in the attic and you think I really need to go through those boxes one day to see what's in there and then you have like a day free and you think okay I'm gonna get cracking on with that job and have a little look and you get to that moment and you think I just can't be bothered I just cannot face going through those boxes I'll just do it later and then that later happens to be another year that's passed so I've had some time off from work recently just annual leave And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tackle those boxes under the bed. I'm going to see what's in there. Because you end up coming across things that you totally forgotten you had or things that you have just kept unnecessarily. Sometimes you even find stuff that you can sell, you know, make a bit of money on, why not? And I came across this ghost book that I just forgot I had. And I've had it for years. Like this book is so old, it's got that real musty smell to it and when you look at all the pages they're all discolored and this book it was first published right in 1983 and it was last published or reprinted 1992 okay that's how old this book is and it's now 2023 so I've had this a long time kind of showing my age there a bit it's called the world's greatest ghost and the description on the back it says in this book is a spine-chilling collection of people's true experiences of ghosts and the supernatural. But we'll be the judge of that. These stories are written in a no-nonsense and unfanciful manner. So I figured, okay, let's have a little look and see if there's a good old ghost story we can tell. And I came across one that was really quite interesting. So I'm going to go through the story. I'm going to read out exactly how it's printed. So you'll probably be able to hear from the words in the book how old it is. But of course, we're not just going to leave that there. We're going to do some debunking and see if this story is fact or fiction. Is there any truth about it or is it fabricated? So it's called The Princess of Death. Have a little listen. Take note of some of the names that I'm going to mention because these are the people that we've had a look at. So let's begin. Princess of Death. Egyptologist Douglas Murray neither liked nor trusted the dishevelled American who sought him out in Cairo in 1910. The man had a furtive manner and appeared to be in the final stages of disease. But Murray, a refined Briton, could not resist the blandishments of his disreputable visitor, for the American was offering him the most priceless find of his career. It was the mummy case of a high princess in the temple of Amun-Ra, who was supposed to have lived in Thebes in 1600 BC. The outside of the case bore the images of the princess worked in enamel and gold, and the case was in an excellent state of preservation. An avid collector, Murray couldn't resist. He drew a cheque on the Bank of England and took immediate steps to have the mummy case shipped to his London home, but the cheque was never cashed. The American died that evening, and Murray learned from another Egyptologist in Cairo why the price of the coffin and the mummy had been so reasonable. The princess from Amun-Ra had held high office in the powerful cult of the dead, which had turned the fertile valley of the Nile into a place only of death. 
Inscribed on the walls of her death chamber, she had left a legacy of misfortune and terror for anybody who despoiled her resting place. Murray scoffed at the superstition until three days later. That was when he went on a shooting expedition up the Nile, and the gun he was carrying exploded mysteriously in his hand. After weeks of agony in hospital, his arm had to be amputated above the elbow. On the return voyage to England, two of Murray's friends died from unknown causes. Two Egyptian servants who had handled the mummy case also died within a year. Now back in London, Murray found that the mummy case had arrived. When he looked at it, the carved face of the princess seemed to come alive with a stare that chilled the blood. Although he had made up his mind to get rid of this, a woman friend convinced him that he should give it to her. Within weeks, the woman's mother died, her lover deserted her, and she was stricken with an undiagnosed wasting disease. When she instructed her lawyer to make her will, he insisted on returning the mummy case back to Douglas. By now, a broken wreck of a man, Murray wanted no part of it. He presented it to the British Museum, but even in that cold and scientific institution, the mummy case was still to become notorious. A photographer who took pictures of it immediately dropped dead. An Egyptologist in charge of the exhibit was also found dead in his bed. Disturbed by the newspaper stories, the board of the museum met in secret and there was a vote to ship the mummy case to a New York museum which had agreed to accept the gift provided it was handled without publicity and sent by the safest possible means. The case must be shipped by the prestigious new vessel making a maiden voyage from Southampton to New York that month. All arrangements were successfully completed but the mummy case never reached New York for it was said to be in the cargo hold of the unsinkable Titanic when she carried 1,498 people to their doom on the 15th of April, 1912. So what do you think of that? Connected to the Titanic, all those deaths, all that unluck that befell upon people. So this is why I did a little bit of investigating work. But I must admit, I was pretty surprised at how much information I found on this story and the people related to it. That does give some factual information. So there is a little bit of truth and fact in this story. But linking to the Titanic is where we think that might be a little bit of fiction. So check this out and what I found and come to your own conclusions. So I did find a chap called Douglas Murray who was born in England in 1841, and he passed to the world of spirit in 1912. He was quite a wealthy gentleman. He was an Oxford graduate, an author, a horse breeder, and an amateur archaeologist who was fascinated by all things ancient Egyptian. So when he graduated from Oxford in around 1865, he travelled to Egypt, went to Cairo, and he wanted to travel down the Nile River. Whilst in Cairo, it was said he did purchase the tomb of an Egyptian princess and three days after this purchase was when he suffered his streak of bad luck. One of those was said to be his hand exploding by the gun he was holding going off in an accident. And it was said that it was later amputated. So I found all that information out. That seemed to be quite correct. When the shooting incident had taken place, he wasn't directly in Cairo, so he had to travel back to Cairo by ship. But it was said his journey was hampered by very strong winds. So a straightforward journey, taking a couple of days, ended up taking 10 days. So by the time he got to the hospital, gangrene had set in and that's why he had to have it amputated. Now, prior to Douglas travelling to Egypt, he visited a palmist and an astrologer. So a palmist is someone who will read your hand, the lines on the palm of your hand, looking into things like 
past, present and future, looking into like your lifelines and things like that. The astrologer who took Douglas's hand gave him a, a forthcoming fear and a sense that he would one day lose the very hand that was being held. And I did find also out that he did want to get rid of the mummy case when it was brought to England by giving it to uh, a woman friend of the family. And it was said that her mother did fall down the stairs and her fiancé broke off their engagement. So all that seemed to kind of add up. So let's now look at the Egyptian princess and see if she was indeed in that coffin. Now, there were dates of this coffin being excavated in 1050 BC or 1500 BC. That's two very, very different years there, okay? So we can't really pinpoint an exact time when this happened. But it was said in, in the 1800s, from a tomb in Luxor, four wealthy Englishmen did excavate a coffin with a mummy in it from a tomb. And they were fascinated by the discovery, so much so that one of them purchased the mummy in her coffin and asked for it to be delivered to his hotel. Now, I don't have any names of these four Englishmen. The man who wanted the coffin sent back to his hotel allegedly walked into the desert a few hours later, was never seen again. One of them was shot by accident by his Egyptian servant. One of them returned back to England to find that he was financially ruined. And one became ill unemployed and he was forced to work on the street selling matches. So we could say that there is a little bit of fact around excavating tombs. We know that still happens in this day and age, but we can't pinpoint the actual days that it did happen, the actual dates and the timeline there. So we're very much looking at a bit of fact and a bit of fiction. Amun-Ra was an Egyptian god and a chief deity for the Egyptian empire. He started off as Amun, which was a local god to the city of Thebes. And after a victory in battle, he then became linked with the sun god Ra, becoming Amun-Ra. So this princess was said to have been part of the Amun-Ra existence of that time. So let's now look at how the British Museum falls into that story. So it was said a coffin with a mummy in it was placed as an exhibit in the British Museum where it was reported poltergeist activity took place with sounds of crying and like banging and hammering noises coming from the princess. A worker who helped unload the mummy apparently broke his leg. Another died mysteriously and the truck carrying the mummy to the museum hit a pedestrian and killed the pedestrian. The photographer who was mentioned in the story that was said to have just immediately dropped down dead. I did find articles of photographer taking a picture of the coffin in its glass display and it was said that a face was seen in one of the pictures that was taken of a woman's face with just showing so much anger and hatred. So much that it petrified the photographer to locking himself in a room and he shot himself. And it was said that a night watchman died as did a child visitor who flicked something in the direction of the mummy. But from here is where the stories change relating to the museum. One story said that the coffin was removed to a basement area due to the reports of the paranormal phenomena. Another story said that the mummy in her case was moved from the display case she was in that she shared with other exhibits and she was positioned in a more prestigious area that was her own and the new area was completed with quite a flattery label of saying who she is and what she looked like and how she resides in the coffin. There is an artefact in the British Museum that we think could be linked to this which I'm going to go on to in a second. So how on earth is this story 
of this excavated tomb, the coffin and the mummy linked to the Titanic. Could it have caused the sinking of the Titanic with all that bad luck surrounding? So I found out that Amun-Ra was sold to an American archaeologist who had arranged for her to be shipped to New York in April 1912. So sold to an American archaeologist, okay, not to the British Museum. But then where did it end there? Is she really at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean? Is she in the British Museum? This is where there's quite a few accounts of conflicting information. So some believed that she was on board the Titanic and a collector or a passenger on board bribed a crewman to place the mummy in a lifeboat and they made it safely to America where the curse continued to play havoc. So it was said that when she arrived in America, she was shipped off on another ocean liner called RMS Empress of Ireland. The Empress was struck by a Norwegian coal freighter in May 1914 and sank with a loss of 1,024 lives. Amun-Ra survived again. In a final bid to break the curse, she was then placed yet again on another ocean liner and began her journey back to Egypt. The ship sank off the coast of Ireland in May 1915 after being hit by a torpedo fired from a German World War I submarine. Nearly 1,200 people lost their lives and it was said that Amun Ra went down with the ship. So there's a couple of different counts there of where she ended up. We've got the story about the British Museum and she ended up there. And then it could be she ended up either in the basement or a nice prestigious area. Then we have reports that she was on the Titanic but taken off. She continued to wreak havoc with all her curses on these other ocean liners. But this is what I found interesting. So I just mentioned before the Titanic about an artifact being in the British Museum and how this artifact could have led to all these stories. So it's an artifact known as BM22542. And it is actually referred to as the unlucky mummy. Now, this is actually the lid of an inner part of the coffin that's on display. And it dates from around 900 to 950 BC. So again, the timeline is very different to the timeline I mentioned before. Now, it is decorated with the face of a woman who some people believe is a priestess or a priestess of Amun-Ra. It was donated to the British Museum in 1889 and allegedly has been on display since 1890. From there, I didn't really find much out about if this artifact is still in the British Museum. I know throughout the many years that have passed, there's been quite a few different exhibits on Egypt. I visited one myself actually a number, number of years ago and I don't remember anything about a priestess or about Amun-Ra, but it could be that I never just noticed it back then, or it's generally not there. But if we think about all these things we've looked at, okay, so Douglas Murray, we could say there was a bit of fact there. The Egyptian princess, with people excavating her from her tomb, could be a bit of fact, could be a bit of fiction. The British Museum, I do believe that a coffin was donated and I did find a couple of names of people who donated an Egyptian coffin to the museum. Then we've got the links to the Titanic. Was she in the cargo hold? Was she not? And then we've got this artifact that is known as the unlucky mummy. So there's a heck of a lot of links there that are linking into this story in all different angles. And we could look at the people who donated the coffin to the British Museum. We could look at the names of the ocean liners we've mentioned, like the RMS Empress of Ireland. There's so many different things we could look at to try and debunk or ensure there are facts, true facts behind the story. But I don't think we're really ever going to know whether this is true facts or true fiction. 
I think the only way we're really going to be able to find if this story is fact or fiction is to try and get like a list of the cargo hold of the Titanic because then we'll be able to determine if there was such an item on board, if it was linked to the story of Amun-Ra, was that coffin taken off the ship or did it go down with the ship? If she did go down with the ship, that could open up a whole other can of worms with all the bad luck that's befallen all these people since she's been excavated. Could that have any impact on the Titanic hitting an iceberg? That's poor to thought, isn't it? Really? Because we hear about the Titanic. We hear about how she hit an iceberg. We hear a lot of scientific ways that the Titanic sank. We don't really hear a lot of the mystery or supernatural superstitious reasons as to why something could happen. And I think this probably goes on a lot more in historical events that we actually realise. Us as people, us as humans, we try and analyse and make things logical by putting scientific spins on things. And there's got to be a reason why this happened. But have we ever sat back and thought, actually, what if generally something mystical or supernatural paranormal generally did lead to something happening? It's really interesting to think of. And we could sit here for hours talking about this. We really could. But I thought that was kind of an interesting ghost story to tell you about today. This book is full of ghost stories. So be warned, I will be telling you lots more ghost stories in the future. And like I said before, who doesn't like a ghost story? So see what you think. Maybe do some investigative work yourself. Like I said, it was surprising how much came up on the internet about this story and all the different links, how it could just like connect together. So really quite fascinating. But that's it for today's episode. If you've made it this far and you're still really interested, thank you so much. Like I say, I found it super interesting and we're going to be debunking some more ghost stories down the line. But thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me today. I hope you have a wonderful evening, a day, wherever you are. Stay safe out there. Take care of each other and I'll catch you on the next episode.